guys. Uh, do it. We are live. It is value after hours, 10.30 a.m. on the West Coast, 1.30 p.m. on the East Coast. Uh, joined, as always, by my co-host, Jake Taylor and Bill Brewster. What's happening, gentlemen? Good to be um, home, I think. Bill and I were on the road last week. It's always nice to be home. True facts. While we were on the road, the tenure sold off and everything ripped. Why? Because we're all just trading rates anyway. <laughs> it does feel like that a little bit. Too real. <laughs> I have this like great that. fundamental idea. Oh, really? What, what do rates do in that fundamental idea? Oh, I don't know. I didn't model that. Just, just break down for me which way the 30 is going. Is it going up or down? Up or down? That's right. That's all you need to know. Bill, that might be your best take. You might want to just shut it down now. <laughs> Yeah, well, there aren't many good ones. So I think that was a finding that either Wes or Meb uh, looked at a few years ago. Where for all, I think it feels like Wes actually for all of the um, wiggling around that the stock market has done since 1982, you know, greatest bull run ever or something like that, you'd be better off on a risk adjusted basis just being long the 30 year. Kind of want to get long the 30 year here. Really? Yeah. I think I, I think in order to think that the 30-year goes up in a sustainable manner, like for a long, long time. When you say goes up, what do you mean? The right or the... Uh, yeah, no, the yield rate. rises. Yeah. Yeah. Price down. Correct. Yeah. Um, I think you got to have a, a more bullish outlook on GDP growth than I have. Mm. Now, yeah. I think you could have a bad mark to market in the interim, much like the stock market, actually. Which is probably why the 60-40 portfolio is getting waxed. Because it was the same bet, basically. Yeah, more or less. Did, uh, did you guys see in Europe, the? I saw this a little tweet about the, um, <clears throat> it was the, the CPI, European CPI versus the, I think, three-month bank rate. And it was... CPI came in at like 8.1% and the, <laughs> the European rate came in at like negative of a half percent. <laughs> so you got like real negative, almost 9% yields right now in Europe. Whew. Yeah. What do you do there? What do the economics textbooks say about that? <laughs> yeah. What did Keynes say about that? Oh, no yeah, I don't know. You try, I mean, they try and, Try you, to solve you, a supply you, issue. You burn the book to stay warm this winter. That's the answer. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So much going on. I don't know. It's the more complicated the macro picture gets, the more I see the um, the reasons for just ignoring it all and just trying to look micro. But even that's hard. Every every single little business you got to get has some macro influence on it. The rates rates being the main one. Yeah, what a paradox that you know. Bill's best comment was about how everything's been a rates bet, and your best comment was that you should ignore all that stuff and focus on the micro. And you're both right somehow. They're both true. Yeah, they're still both true. <laughs> That's what makes this game difficult, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It certainly seems like uh, certainly seems like those long duration names. You basically just long rates, which makes sense. The more I do it, the the more I think that just nobody knows anything, myself included. Especially, I know I know that I know nothing, but I'm always yeah. surprised to learn that other people know nothing too. <laughs> uh, I kind of like that. 
this uh this sell-off at the start of this year, I don't know whether it's the worst ever or something like that, but it, it's, it, it doesn't feel nearly as bad as, as March 2020 did, but it's, I, I still think it proceeds. I don't really know. I just preface that by saying, I don't know, but I still feel like it's a... I don't know, but here's what's going to happen. <laughs> I do feel like we're falling out of the... We've jumped off the top floor and we're like on about floor, you know, 50 saying, oh, this feels okay so far. There's nothing wrong. I just think that the difference between like March 2020 was faster, but uh, everybody was looking at the same thing. I actually haven't sold off much this year because I got absolutely waxed on the back half of last year. <laughs> That's the, oh. the value trick sell off, sell off first. <laughs> yeah. I've already sold off. <laughs> That's right. I can't sell off if you already, already sold off. <laughs> yeah. You can't lose if you already lost. <laughs> can't lose again. Dude, preach. What's um, that said? Outperforming on down days. It's not as if like I've been going up. That's that's not the most fun thing in the world. I've been getting a lot of that going recently. Lots of alpha on down days. So it's a three hundred basis point down day with twenty five basis points of outperformance. (laughs) (laughs) Crushing it. Just compound that up. I don't know how much that comes to. I think it's a lot. That's as good as money, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that Lilu. I might not share that. I might not know. Lilu. I'm a big fan of Lulu's. That's that's all I can say. Is Lulu's anybody not ways. a fan of Lulu? Is anybody like, ah, Lulu doesn't know what he's doing? That's fair. But in like a forced ranking of all of the investors who are out there, I put Lulu like he's up there with, with Buff for me. It's early wow. days, but I'm a fan. Okay. I like that. I don't know anything about him. What I, uh, what rumor were you going to spread? Uh, just yeah, what were been, you going to spread? might have been one of those things that was said that I'm not allowed to repeat. So I don't want to repeat mm. it. But, I did a. I did a. Must I did be a, nice to be on the inside of the information flow, uh, well, sir. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't on the inside. I was. Give I us this, all a peek, dog. <laughs> I got this second or third hand. Mm. Um, I did an interview with Everything Money. I saw that a few guys have shouted that out. That was fun chatting with those guys. They're they're, they're good dudes. Um, Who's Everything Money? Honestly, it's not a, a channel that I was familiar with beforehand. But the the. Uh, Paul, who's uh, one of the gents in the very kind of deep value, deep deepish value approach, similar mind. They've got a big, they've got a big audience, hundred fifty thousand. I said so. Nice. Should start slightly following. bigger than ours. It is. That's yeah. a shame. <laughs> Shout out great. to the ladies. What's up, <laughs> lady? Both of them. No, no. There's at least four. There's two. There's four. Uh, they're both spoken with them. Do we have any actual topics today besides uh, wisdom of macro, where things are going? Got lots of macro, lots of macro, hot takes on the macro. Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pony up on Toby's hot takes. Hot think- takes and hot cakes. <laughs> the, I, do, the- I have a little something. So. Yeah, what do you got? What do you got, JT? Uh, Come on, Jake. Bring well, us we're, through. We're doing a little bit of a, I, you know, I try not to do just book reports on the show because I feel like that that's kind of weak sauce but uh this one is will be a bit of a book report uh from the scout mindset by julia galif i i believe that's how you pronounce her last name i um i really enjoyed it so we can get into that when it's veggies time the scout mindset scout correct cool yeah um why don't we kick it off with that while i work work (laughs) it's a good idea (laughs) okay 
<laughs> Let's get that. So first of all, shout out to uh, my man at Sleepwell Capital who sent me this book and said I need to read it. And he was 100% right. And after I read it, I thought, God, how did I not read this one yet? This is like so in my wheelhouse. Um, but the basic premise of it is, is that um, this book is full of just all these very practical countermeasures, thought experiments, framing that you can do to counteract all these known behavioral decision-making biases that, that you know, we, we kind of all know. But just because you know it doesn't mean you're actually doing anything to control for it. So um, I found this to be eminently approachable with great, great stories around it that kind of help you remember some of the lessons. Um, but just to, to, to preface like how, what this scout mindset means, it's sort of like the scout versus the soldier. And that's, that's the, the uh, analogy that she uses. And the, the scout is trying to basically be out there finding new information and updating their map of what reality really looks like. And, you know, it's not that you're wrong necessarily about something. It's just that you're updating the map and, you know, it's getting a better lay of the land. Um, and, you know, it's trying to figure out what risks are worth taking on, on the board. Um, whereas the soldier is about defending, protecting, you know, your cherished beliefs, uh, you know, fortifying what you believe by finding evidence, um, you know, and, and when you're wrong about something, that's like defeat for you. It's not that you're updating the map, it's that you lost. And so you tie up identity with it. And so it's all these different things, you can see how it like stacks up to, to prey on our worst uh, shortcut or short circuits that we have uh, from a behavioral decision-making perspective. So um, I wanted it to just do... Uh, <laughs> the first thing that was really funny in the book I was that she went through and looked at, there were 23 different instances where Spock, who's supposed to be this hyper-rational, <laughs> you know, calcu cold, calculating Vulcan, uh, where he made specific predictions and then assigned basically like probabilities and confidence intervals to things as he was talking about it. And so if you go through, like, I think she had 23 different instances that, that she measured in all the, you know, different iterations of Spock over the years. And so when Spock said something that was, was absolutely impossible, it happened 83% of the time. When he <laughs> said it was very unlikely, it was a coin flip. When he said it was just regular unlikely, it was also a coin flip. When he said something was likely, it was 80%. So that's actually not bad. And when he said, assigned a 99.5% chance of something, it happened, it would, it happened 17% of the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it turns out that Spock was horribly calibrated when it comes to his predictions versus reality. Uh, and his, like his Briar score would be total shit. If you actually went through and calculated it, he's not very accurate. Um, so that was kind of funny. Uh, and then the other thing that I got from this was that I think is like a really useful exercise. Uh, you know, when we, and, and really what it does is it taps into humanity's ability to be kind of a comparative animal. A lot of times we do better by reasoning through comparison of A versus B, as opposed to, you know, is A on its own good, is B on its own good. Um, so she uses the example of uh, like self-driving. Um, and so like, you know, you might say like, well, let's let's consider the proposition. Will self full self-driving be available within a year to, to the average like buyer. And, you know, your, maybe your initial gut reaction is like, that's crazy. No way. Like they don't, the technology is not there. The government maybe won't allow it, you know, until it's up to a certain safety level. Like there's all kinds of reasons why you could just say no way. That's insane. But what does that really do for you as a, like understanding the world when you just say it's crazy, not much, right? Like you don't really actually learn that much. 
So instead, like try to back into what would be your actual probabilistic expectation of that. So the first thing you do is say like, okay, let's, here's a bet for $10,000. Would you say that self-driving will be on the road or not within one year? And would you take that bet? So I don't know, let's play along with that. Like, what would you say is full self-driving going to be available within a year? I need the payout structure, dog. And also, no, it's one year not. from now, and you get ten thousand dollars. Binary, I get it yeah. or I don't get it. You get it, or but I got to pay something it. if I make this bet, presumably, right? Yeah, you pay ten thousand if it's, you don't. Straight up and down. Yeah, it's just straight up and down. What do you think? Mm. Do, you take, do you take the bet? So that's the first one. Is like, is it, it all over depends on definition, man. I know a guy that has a Tesla that drinks and he lets the Tesla drive him home. <laughs> And it I works. Know, so I know, know a guy. Uh, I don't have a Tesla. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's just move on since you guys aren't. aren't well, really- I, I I don't want to bet. I don't. I wouldn't take the bet. I don't think it's going to be on the on the market. But I I do think you can pay for it and you can get it installed in your car, whether it works or not. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, this is kind of like one of these Bill Clinton uh, definition oh. of is questions here. Okay. All right. Fine. How long Look, has it been coming? Just now, it. this is how I figured out I'm on a podcast with two lawyers. Is, uh... <laughs> what All is right. the definition? Yeah. Yeah. So let's reframe it then. And let's say that I, I could give you a box and it has four balls in it. And one of the balls is white. The other three are black. And if you pull the white ball, you get to get you get that ten thousand dollars within one year, but if you pull one of the black balls, then you owe me, owe me ten thousand dollars. Let's say, or even let's get rid of it. Let's not say that you owe it, but you have to choose between full self driving or the box. Which one of those would you prefer? Do you want to take a a one and four pull on the box, or do you want to take full self driving? I'm I'm just gonna say that I think people would argue that full self driving is already here, so I'm taking full self driving. Okay, let me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is that is hard to. I understand what to. you're doing, and I like how you're going about this. All right, let's just keep going then. So that would imply then. Let's say that you think, boy, I would, I I like the box better, right? Like I think I'm I'd rather take a, the pull from the box than I would take the full self driving, which then implies that you think that 25 percent is is too high of a prediction. All right. Because now, if you if you reframed it as like, do you think that there's a chance that it'll come out one of the years in the next four? No, and that's not the bet. It's not a series bet. It's only this one year, take it or leave it. I, I understand, but I'm just saying that like they're just trying to make it more analogous to the one in four pull. Like if you said one out of four of the next, yeah, it doesn't quite work. All right, keep going. Ignore me. Okay, so- you have to say like out of the out of the current parallel realities that are going on. Yeah. And one of the four of them does it come about. Yes. Okay. So now let's say then that you don't, you'd rather take the box at that point. Now we're going to change it. And the box, we put in uh, several more balls and we're up to 16 balls now. And then there's one that is a winner in there. And now which one do you want to, do you want to take the box or do you want to take full self-driving as your bet? So what, what that implies then is that you're actually like below, a little bit below 6% confident that, that the, False self-driving will happen. What we're doing here is revealing your preferences and your what you believe based on giving you an A or a B. So most people probably would say, like, wow, one out of 16, I look at that and I don't really like the odds of that. So and they would say, like, okay, I'll take the full self-driving bet instead. 
And then let's try to like finish it and dial it in. And let's say that there's nine balls in there and wherever it, it can be whatever, but what you want to do is find the number of balls that are the exact equivalent where you're totally ambivalent between, do I want to take full self-driving or do I want to take the box full of balls? And that then it's called like an equivalent bet test. And so what we're looking for is that equivalent bet where you're just totally ambiguous between those two propositions, which then reveals to you what you think the probability is actually of, hap- of that thing happening. So that's the whole point of the, the you know, in, that, in this case, you know, out of, on a nine ball box that you're ambivalent, that gives you like 11% sort of confidence interval that maybe the full stealth driving would be on the road. So it's, the book is full of stuff like that, where it's like, oh, well, here's kind of a cool way to get at what I'm trying to think through. Um, and I find that that equivalent ball test to be probably pretty helpful. If you really want to just dial in, like, where are you on your probabilistic predictions, which is one of the hallmarks of, of good investors is making probabilistic predictions. I still don't know if I want to take the box of the, I, I, I still probably take the box of one in 16. Wow. Okay. So you're, we can go even more like one, I don't in, think, one yeah. in 50. I mean, where's the, how many balls do we have to put in the box before you're ambivalent between Dude, the, the homie Samson's in the chat right now saying <laughs> it's already here. Get long Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was predictable. Yeah. How does that, that, that is the problem, right? How, how does it, is, is it, are they calling it full self-driving at the moment? Okay. Let me well, reframe. He'll call let's, it whatever the hell he wants, but you don't need to, you don't need the to, whole uh, thing. Will you own a full self-driving car within a year? Oh, no uh, way. Take that 160. I'll, I'll take the balls. Okay. 164 pull. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd be more likely to buy a tractor in the next year than I would a full self-driving car. I think we'll have flying cars before we have full self-driving. We'll have uh, full self-flying cars before we have full self-driving cars. Really? That's a much simpler problem to solve, right? Is it? No idea. Don't I you have so. a, a Z coordinate to deal with now? Seems yeah, very you don't difficult. Have as many, don't have as many obstacles. Mm. Dude, I've seen the Jetsons. There's stuff all over the place. How are you supposed yeah. to? But the, you'll have self-flying before you have all of those obstacles to negotiate. Okay. They'll be added later. Hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> this is an yeah, interesting take, one I haven't seen before. There are flying cars, but they're not full self-flying cars. That's what I'm saying. Self-flying cars. I mean, don't the, doesn't a jumbo a seven thirty seven basically fly itself for the most of the like ninety eight percent of the trip? I think that it flies it for almost all of it. I think it's you have a big ass drone. I guess I could see that. Yeah, that's that's basically what it is. Yeah. All right. I'm in. Good. Where do where's I sign the, up? Where's the where's the long bets? We need to get the long bets on. Let people take the other side to that. I like flying cars. Flying car, like you're not going to run into anything for the most part. And if you do, then, you the know, earth. It's over. Yeah, quickly. that's right. So it's, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, all right. Let's let's talk the markets. Let's move on. Yeah, let's, please. I've. I, I like I like those analogies. I like <laughs> we got a soundboard, everybody. It's a, it's a new unlock for value after hours. No, I like it. I like that. If Toby and I didn't dissect the meaning of. Full self-driving. It could have been a great segment, but we ruined that for you. Yeah, you really like. I think it's a good mindset. Pissed in the Cheerios. You're like welcome. Scout versus. I I did I did I thought it was like scouts as in Boy Scouts, but yeah, scouts scout versus soldier. I think it's a good analogy. I agree with it. Trains 
Yeah, full self-driving train. You're, you're smart, and she's right. <laughs> yeah, Greenwald never liked uh, the... Uh, well, I shouldn't say never liked, but he was always like, railroads are going to be disrupted by full full self-driving semis that go down the road and then break apart, and then they deliver oh, yeah. stuff. At, at $8 diesel? Well, Ooh, I, don't uh, know about that, homie. I don't know. Is that just a California special, or is that everywhere? Well, I think it's going on a lot of places right now. What are the um, what? Why do you take diesel over a regular gas car? Diesel's got better gas diesel? mileage, does it? But it's more oh, yeah. expensive. To sell the engines are also quite a bit more reliable, unless I'm mistaken. But like those old diesels, they mileage, run forever. Yeah, mileage, torque. Um, does every um, gas station have diesel? No, pain in the ass. But a lot do. The further south kid, you get, the more that have it. When I was a kid, you had to know not to put the diesel nozzle into the gas tank and vice versa. Same I now. Think they're, they're different shapes, but I, I don't ever. I don't. I always look, and there you got to make sure you're choosing the. You get three choices of of gas, and not, none of them are none of them are diesel. Yeah, it'll still mess your car up. Do the uh, do the three do the three different classes of gas make a difference? To the way the car operates, does anybody know? Ninety-three for sure does. That's uh, that's no ethanol. That's the best one. That's the most. Expensive. I don't know that it's the best. I just know it has no ethanol in it. Is it better for the car, or does it make you go faster or something? Some cars require that you use ninety-three, but I don't okay. think it actually. I, thought you I, I don't think there's any stuff. difference between eighty-seven and 80, 89. <laughs> I think that's fake news. It's it's like the difference that's, between yeah, a sparkling white wine and a champagne. My my uh, my gas blending buddy, he they make the ninety three, so he's always pushing that on me. <laughs> <laughs> Motivated reasoning there. Yeah, for sure. But That's, he's got me convinced there is some difference between that and the rest of the stuff. This is like the Simpsons thing where they show that in the brewery where it was like Duff Dry, Duff Light, Duff, you know, regular, and it was all coming off of the same pipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that Once upon a time, more dog because the dogs are sweet. Right? <laughs> yeah. Once upon a time, I was at a Christmas party and my mom and her ex were really sloshed and uh, her, her friends are over. And one of the people couldn't take de- or couldn't take caffeine. And the guy, the ex was going around and he's like caffeinated or decaf with one pot. <laughs> I don't know if it was decaf or caffeinated. I was a young kid, but I remember that. Oh, growing up, it was fun. Anyway, next. We're in trouble did if we don't. Have, did I make it weird? Yeah, you we made need. It weird. Um, we need to talk about. Uh, we need to talk about these markets. We need to talk about this crash. <laughs> the crash is coming. You know, I I feel like I was kind of I was bearish. Uh, you could definitely listen last week and say that I'm bearish, but I'm I remain pretty long. So it's not really, I'm not, you know, unless like you're in my head. <laughs> no, uh, it's okay. just like, I just think about like to deploy more capital into the market, I would need to see like real, real pain. And I do think there's a scenario where we could get it. And I think that it's like a fairly realistic one. I, you know, you ask about the balls. Like, How many I don't balls know, maybe, do we got to put in the hopper before you're? I think maybe four. Okay. 24, 25%. Uh, chance of rain yeah ish just a lot of cross currents right now but 
You know, the one thing that I do think is going to be just like, uh, you know, for at least a, a year or two is going to help is uh, there's just there's so many houses that have been started and not completed that there's just a lot of jobs that are going to continue because you're going to need to complete the houses. Mm. But man, completing them is a pain in the ass right now for a number of reasons. Getting the uh, supplies, getting the people. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm right here where I am right now. There's just no concrete. You can't get it. Really? Yeah. For a while, I guess there's like uh, there's some rock that makes it form or whatever and helps it go down the chute. I don't know. There's stuff, but that rock was out, and then it was like the sand that makes it like come like glue. That was out. Like my friends and I are like, you're telling me the earth is out of of sand. Yeah, anywhere in Florida, we can't get the freaking sand. Okay, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> the whole thing is sand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But apparently, you need a different kind of sand. Oh, so there's there just a like back weird, like, like, like 90, 93 octane from. sand. <laughs> no, that's different. Different okay. sand. There are a lot of weird shortages still. I don't know how that gets resolved. I'm surprised it still hasn't been. I mean, we we said that. I guess the the ships are still backed up out here until. Like mid twenty twenty three was the was the last guess that I had. Late twenty twenty three, which to me just sounds like we don't know. Hopefully by this time. Yeah, I think that's right. There, I think that the uh, the labor in the ports just started negotiations or something, so that's not going to get done. Take what about the fact is. that China's got this zero COVID thing? Like that's not going to help either. No, no, it's not. I I had a. Uh, Craig Fuller on, and then the comments I got. I got noticed today that somebody put up a YouTube comment on the episode, and they told me not to attack a country, and that China was being responsible, and that America was not. I have news for them; they're wrong. <laughs> it was a YouTube. It was a YouTube comment, like a uh, from YouTube, or it was from. No, it was it was from a commenter, and they oh, were yeah, like, "You guys are so irresponsible. You've lost a million people." I'm like, "Yo, y'all are messing with the entire world economy here." But anyway, demonetized. Demonetized. There's a lot of fingers on on the uh, the scales behind the scenes. I think. Yeah. What's What's the long term plan? Are they going to like keep it locked down until I get to literally zero, or are they going to pop it open and? Is the idea that just before the third people's symposium or whatever they call it, they're going to open everything up and there's going to be this massive boom like we had over here. This is legit turned into a Rogan episode. Uh, yeah. uh, Do you think so? <laughs> well, I think it's two people that don't know anything opining on stuff that we don't know about. So, yes, I, I I'm do asking, think so. All of my statements uh, in the form of questions, though. Uh, yeah, well, that's like a Rogan episode. <laughs> that makes it a Rogan episode. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know what the goal is, man. I, I saw that they were opening up, uh, I think it was Shanghai or something. Um, I, I just, I don't know. COVID got into North Korea, I think. And if it got in there, I'm just, I don't think you can dodge it. But that's just me. Be interesting. Uh, any thoughts on Restoration Hardware reporting here this, I think it's this week. I was looking at an unnamed uh, home goods retailer and I just don't know. Like a lot of one of my checklist items when I'm researching is if I was made CEO there tomorrow, how hard is the gig? What's it look like? Am I excited or am I bummed? 
And if you're, if it's that bombing, like then that might not be a great place to, to want to have your, put your money, right? Like if that seems like a really hard job and I was looking at this and like, I just don't know what levers they have to pull here. I mean, they're getting squeezed by labor and transportation costs. They're, they bought back a bunch of shares at like two X where the price is today. And now there's not that much cash around the revolvers tapped a little bit. Like I just, there's a inventory swollen. I don't know where. Oh, you're talking about restoration hardware. No, no, this is another yeah, company, no. but okay. I thought I was going to say, like, since you like restoration and the reporting soon, I thought it might be, I'd like to get hear what you think. Uh, I just, I, I would probably buy our house instead without really looking at uh, the, the financials too closely. Uh, that's my gut. I just look, I don't like people talk about the Roik. Okay. Well, how does the Roik get there? You trade ownership for leases. Okay. Well, like that works when it works, but um, it seems like you're adding a little bit of fragility to the system. And that's a one-time bite at the apple too, isn't it really? I mean, well, it's kind of the business strategy, but I, I just, I just think that uh, like, I don't know. I, I, I have, I was upset with myself for not holding that uh, when it was bombed out. But I mean, zero was a legit possibility in my mind, even though it obviously wasn't. I was wrong. Um, but you know, you don't have stimulus, uh, and things could be a lot different. And I think that their consumer is probably going to be fine. So maybe it continues to work. I don't. I don't know. It's it's in my too hard pile. I'm sure it can work. I, I don't understand the jets and the yachts and the lifestyle brand and entering hotels. But like Gary is uh, either a genius or a madman, and we'll all find out together. It's just it's you, a lot of how many it's a balls lot of do we have to put into the, the bag for you to feel good about that that bet of genius versus madman? Uh, I would I would ask to see to the end of time and then look back and then I'll say I knew the answer. Oh Jesus, cop out. I don't know. I'm in uh, three, three maybe. Hmm. Okay. Or and like a- four out of ten. I th- I think it's reasonably possible that he's a retail genius. I don't know if that translates into we can have a G550 or a G650 that can fly you to Paris to have caviar looking at the Eiffel Tower. Like, I I just don't fundamentally trust that it's luxury. And I think that it's disrespectful of the luxury to call it luxury. I think it's cheap furniture made at scale, marked up really high. And I think it's Starbucks. And I think they have a great, like... Mastige. Yeah, that's what I think it is. And, you know, I went into the New York showroom and like the doors on some of the stuff are crooked and stuff. Like, don't tell me that you're Hermes and then come out with that shit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it seems to me to be more like Wall Street puffery and investors buying a story than it does reality. But there is certainly enough reality to make that story, you know, Look, go, right? Wanna, yeah. Yeah. The art of it is to get the consumers to buy the story, right? Rather than the investors. Well, dude, they obviously are, right? And, and you know, if I was a bull, I'd be like, well, look at how many more they're going to roll out and do the unit economics on the stores and all this stuff. Like, I, you know, I get it, but I don't know. Steady I like state the idea. Stuff. I, I, like, I think some of those ideas are really clever. I think the clubs are a really clever idea. The 650, I want to see how often the execs are traveling on that versus customers. 
Well, you know, and they got the yacht, like the RH3. I think it looks kind of like a tugboat, but it's a yacht. <laughs> if it were, I mean, it's very, it's unconventional. Unless you're, unless you're a scamster, it's unconventional to have yachts and, and 650s in the, actually owned by the company, available to be used. Uh, I mean, look, they're trying to make it like a lifestyle brand, right? Which I, I kind of understand, but then there's the part of me that's like, well, why? You know, if, if your furniture business is so good, why do you need to be a lifestyle brand too? Is See, anyone I, buying a restoration hardware t-shirt to be no, part of a lifestyle? No. Soon enough. You but just see, haven't seen it yet. I okay. see them as sort of maybe like J. Crew, where they might see themselves as, I don't know, Ralph Lauren or something like that. I yeah. Think, I think Ralph Lauren's like the pinnacle of kind of mastige. It's it, it's like right on the, it might be true luxury. There's enough stuff in there that's, that's luxury, whereas J. Crew is that just underneath. Is that fair? Don't know enough. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think what Gary would say is like in your. I, I wear Garanimal. So. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I was looking at uh, Carter's, you know, the baby, the baby yeah. clothing maker. That's trading at like a 10 PE, which I know is a very flawed metric. But, uh, you know, you buy the story of millennials creating houses and household formation. Carter's. Get babies up in there. Yeah. I could, I could see there being 10 years of earnings roughly around where we are. Um, I think what Gary would say is like the, uh, the, um, legacy brand perception is part of the problem in the U S and when they're going to foreign markets, they're not going to have that perception. So like when they open up in London, they're going to be a fresh brand. I just don't know that I buy that Europe is going to like be super amped about an American furniture maker. Like, I don't know that Americans export luxury that often. Yeah. Ralph Lauren. Yeah, he's been one of the. He's he was a G, for sure. I feel like it goes the other direction more, doesn't it? Luxury from Europe to America. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of my. Yeah, that quality brand middle stand. Like I don't know where Williams Sonoma trades, but if they trade roughly where Re- Restoration Hardware does, I'd probably prefer Williams Sonoma. It was cheap and it popped on its last earnings. Had a good yeah, run, the day and the night. I I own. I own Williams Sonoma. I quite like Williams Sonoma. Yeah, uh, I think Restoration Hardware was sort of getting into my hitting zone too. I it, I, I don't own it, but I just sort of noticed it was floating around there. Probably needs it's very to high roic. Needs to stumble in this next uh, earnings, probably for me to have a look at it. That could happen. I think in this market, like that's the soft one consumer. Of the, that's a that'd be a. I don't know. It could get rough for them. One of the things I like about these kind of markets, if we get a little sell off here, is that it does give you that opportunity to buy better quality stuff when it all gets squashed up with the deep value stuff. I think we're going to get our chance this time around. I mean, I hope we get our chance this time around. I don't have any view one way or the other. I hope, I hope, I hope. The downside, man, is rates may have peaked. And if they peaked, everything goes burr. But here's the thing. Oh. So, so let's, let's do some, let's do some macro, bull, do some macro <laughs> bullshitting. So you've still got inflation's running at 8%. Interest rates are well, well south of that. And then I saw that, uh, you know, it's, it's a political conundrum for the Fed, whether they step on the inflation or whether they step on the stock market. Well, they, sorry, they step on inflation, steps on the stock market. Uh, and then Biden's going in to complain to them about inflation. So maybe that's the way it goes. They have to step on the inflation. I don't think Biden's actually complaining about inflation behind closed doors. I think you'd have to be crazy to be doing that. 
What do you no, think? No, just got to be seen to be doing it. We're well, a I mean, inflation. look, I think if you're complaining to the Fed about inflation, what you're saying is that I want rates to go materially higher. And if that scenario to me screams recession. So I would I would say let's let inflation run hot for two to three years and see where we are. Yeah, there's enough. It's a as a politician. I feel like this still all assigns way more power than the Fed actually has to this whole thing. But I I think that they've already committed. They've created the conditions that have created the inflation. I think that they have the power to do that. I think that now, whether we're talking about whether they crash the stock market or, or you know, the other things that they can do, we're sort of we're talking about problems that they've created five years over the last five years, and so like how they navigate their way out. Like you, you mispronounced a hundred years. Well, that's that's true. That's true. It has been well, a lot up, of it I mean, was stimulus, though, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I think the stimmy created that if you, the, all those charts that have got those wild sort of runs up and runs back down. And I think we're probably getting close to back being down near trend for a lot of those things. So it'd be interesting, like whether we stop a trend or not, I don't know. I think it's kind of funny when people are like, well, tech valuations are lower than they've been. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's not like 2018 and 2019 was like screamingly cheap valuations, right? I, I think you make the argument that there's a lot of stuff out there that is fair or cheap right now. But like to say, well, you know, when things were growing like crazy and people promised flowers at the end of the road, and now people are questioning whether or not those flowers exist, like no wonder the valuation has come in. That's kind of part of what valuation represents, right? I think there's a little bit of, I think it's a little bit cheap, but I agree with you. It's not, I don't, I don't go, I don't see a lot of obvious value there. I don't think there's any easy decisions there. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, this is stuff that I don't own and don't really know, but like, I bet like, yeah, (laughs) I mean, I bet like Texas Instruments is something you could get a a reasonable real return out of here. I think it's like, you know, people are like, how does Coke trade where it trades? Well, you know, if you're really worried about inflation, it makes sense to hold something like that. Um, What's the, what's the Coke thesis for inflation? Well, I just think power. historically they've been able to show pricing power and God forbid, you know, you actually think inflation's transitory, the probability that they're going to give back the price takes, like there's no way. So if their input costs come down, you could see some margin expansion on the back end of this that maybe surprises people that they're not looking at today. Did the same thing happen to Coke that happened to the macro beer brands? Like it's just so much easier to get micro, you know, off-brand colas and different kind of waters and things like that. Whereas previously it was like a, you had to have all the shelf space and all the advertising. And now people don't care because you're getting a different kind of access to different stuff through Instagram. I get Instagram pitches me, you know, non-alcoholic everything these days. Yeah. Non-alcoholic beer. I, I got, speaking of which, a mocktail for you guys. Get yourself some Topo Chico, <laughs> a little bit of apple cider vinegar, just like a cap, a cap or two full, pour that in, squeeze some lemon, boom. What is it? It's delicious, non-alcoholic <laughs> it's beverage. Called, what do you call it? I, I don't know. I'm just oh, telling the, you. The what Brewster? It is. No, no, no. The it's Brewster. not. My boy, no, my boy Adam a Brown told me about busy it. Busy Brewster? No, it's not me. But I've been drinking the shit out of them. It's great. Uh, but like Topo Chico, I'm, I'm almost certain is owned by Coke now. It you know, is. they they bought yeah. it for a couple hundred million dollars, like. I don't know, three or four years ago, I thought it was a genius move. Very effervescent. 
LaCroix still out there does have the big bubbles. Yeah, it's like LaCroix out there, out there independent. Yeah. I like LaCroix and some LaCroix. I haven't asked, I haven't read that guy's letter in a minute. I need to read that guy's letter. Do they I bet he's fucking devastated with Democrats in the in the uh White House and inflation out of control. I bet that guy's letters are insane. Is he political? Oh yeah. LaCroix? Oh yeah. Oh, I haven't read them. Yeah, you got to. It's great. Mm-hmm. Is he like full like InfoWars type of stuff or where's he at? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's InfoWars. I just, you know, pick up, pick up some letters and read them. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's frightening. No, no, it's just, you know, it's just like very pro-America, but I, I uh, think he definitely... Good. We'll see. Right, that's my hypothesis. I'll give it to LaCroix. They got good, uh, when you go into supermarkets now, they're not hard to find. They're always right at the front and stacked. They're everywhere easy to get and they're everywhere. They're I love good, that business. Good price point for the most part. Release a new flavor, just change the can, of, the color of the can. No yeah, marketing. That's, that's right. That's it's right. insane. Yeah. Oh, I got to yeah, try this one. Oh. <laughs> Pomegranate uh, blueberry. All right. Well, shit. I guess I better try that one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a pample moose dude. Are you? Yeah, pample moose yeah. is all there is. But sometimes you'll open a can and it'll be like super pungent, and the, the taste will be off. Their their quality. That's because they the natural flavors are like random stuff. Like there's there's vanilla. I think there's a natural flavor that's vanilla. That's ex, it's the beaver anal gland expression. Oh. Like they really, so yeah, they milk, beaver was happy that day when it was expressing its anal for gland the, for vanilla, vanilla, <laughs> nat, natural flavoring. This one tastes sour. This anal gland must have been real tight. He was anyway. Yeah, he must have been eating something that wasn't. <laughs> Is that true? Is that how they get vanilla? Because I thought they could just get it from vanilla beans, right? No, too expensive that way. Way cheaper to go after <laughs> beaver ass. Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a little beaver ass to drive your margins up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I tried their I, I tried their um their passion fruit one over the weekend. It it did taste like beaver ass. <laughs> oh beaver ass. And how and how sir do you know about uh the taste of of beaver ass? Well it tastes beaver like ass. the vanilla one. <laughs> <laughs> uh we have fully derailed. To be fair, I I, I own Fizz, so I, I it's this is all uh Talking your book. Yeah, talking the book. Okay, good. That's fair. I'm looking for (sighs) squirrel ass myself. Mm. That's where the real margin is. (laughs) Gregory doesn't think it's funny. Okay, thanks, Gregory. Sorry, dude. Um, Doesn't think beaver ass is funny? Okay. I mean, we enjoyed it. (laughs) You're just objectively wrong, sir. I'm sorry. (laughs) Because this Uh, is hilarious. Well then, yeah, it's been. I'll it, tell you what came out was kind of interesting. Well, interesting to me. Some people may not have known about it, but uh, Top Gun. <laughs> well, I I want to see that bad, but uh, dude, I I featured on the pod Nawful Snala, worked yeah, for a firm called EIA. Yeah, and EIA is been accused of being a straight up Ponzi scheme, and I had a call with them because I was going to feature uh, Andrew. Um, if I could get comfortable with it. And I remember after the call, I hung up 
And Nawful called me after and he's like, you know, what, what are you, what are your thoughts? And I was like, dude, I don't know what you guys do. Like, I can't articulate what you do here. Uh, and then we never followed up, but, uh, I think that was an interesting example of, um, you know, if something is too hard or outside your circle, maybe just say no. I would have felt like a real dummy if I had featured both of them. Well, I remember that episode and I remember thinking like, gosh, I don't feel like I know what's going on here, but I'm not really a macro guy. So I guess that's to be expected, but it was, it felt like it was either next level or that I was, well, I don't know. I didn't feel like it felt phony to me, but no. And I, and that's, I think the thing that surprised a, a fair amount of people was uh, like, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of people that I, um, well, not a lot, but a, a decent amount of people that I respect respected his opinions on things. Uh, but that that's kind of get that plus like ability. And that's kind of how, you know, the seeds of fraud could be made. I don't know. We'll see. It, what all, it never what starts all ends out up. intentionally either. I mean, you always read these and they're like, start cheating a little bit in one way. Yeah. And then so it, like, dude, it just sort of spirals. And- I'll tell you what, I was kind of defending them out of the gate and I'm not throwing, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus and I'm a big time believer in the presumption of innocence. But if you read the complaint, they were losing, according to the sec, uh, they've been losing since day one. And that, that kind of hurt. Cause I was kind of hoping uh, to your point that maybe things were okay and then something slipped and maybe they tried to make it up, but uh, the complaint doesn't look good. I thought it also said that they'd claimed a hundred million in assets and they had like 580,000. I think, I think they claimed 190 million or something oh. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, made up, made up everything, you know, I looked at the tear sheet and I, you know, I, it looked legit, uh, but that's what, I mean, I guess Bernie Madoff looked legit for a while too. So wild. Is that the claim that it was a Ponzi scheme? Yeah, that is exactly the claim. Well, isn't the, now we've got Luna 2.0 out there as well. Like the first one I just saw this morning. I don't know why I even saw it, but that, uh, that's, that's back out. <laughs> I was like, Hey, if you liked it the first time around that it went to zero, here's your chance to, to be fair miss out. is 2.0. 2.0 is not a scam anymore. Like everybody knows now it's the real one. Yeah. Well, it's just, if you get scammed on 2.0 and 1.0 was a scam. I don't know if you got scammed or if you're just kind of dumb. I'm waiting for 3.0, but I'll tell you what, like I, you know, and I'm not trying to throw her under the bus cause I really love her, but like my mom is the type of person that falls for some of these emails and stuff. So I get like really upset when I see some of this stuff. Right. Cause she's like, you know, you give her like macro bear porn and then hit her with some like, you know, and this guy pre- predicted this and is shilling this. Yeah. The amount of times I just have to be like, turn all that off. It's like crazy. Well, that's the thing that's terrible about these. Is it, it hits the people who can generally least afford to take the hit. Yeah. No doubt. But, uh, you know, I mean, those guys at EIA, I think they had some institutional uh, stuff. So, I mean, not much. It's $580,000 <laughs> in assets. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's a shame. I saw somebody's DMs and the guy was like, you know, I was friends with these guys and, you know, I don't know. It's a shame. There's Anyway, long story short. Won't be the last one. That's the other thing. I mean, there's, this is, 
these are the times where those things get uncovered. Well, and I think this stuff goes on in companies too, right? If you don't know how a company makes money, just say no, there will be another pitch. And it, that doesn't mean it's a fraud, right? It just means like it doesn't have to be the thing that you vouch for or bet on or any of that stuff, right? Just move on. Now, I like, sorry. I was just going to say that it feels like there've been quite a few, you know, embezzlements or frauds sort of uh, revealed through this period. We, I still don't think we've had the, we haven't had the flush yet. There's been no Lehman moment yet. I, well, Chinos has been saying this for a while, right? He's been like, this is the golden of, age of fraud. Yeah. yeah. But we haven't had anything, we haven't had anything really collapse yet that was sort of that nobody saw coming. Yet. Luna, I guess, but then Luna, it's so, it's still, it's still kind of. Um, That's fringe. Yeah, it's fringe. That's 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 what I'm trying to say. It's not it's not front and center that everybody's in. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see, man. I you know part of I guess part of what I was saying last week about how much downside I think there could be. I don't actually. I don't think there's that much in like on average an industrial company. I am really curious to see where some of these tech valuations settle and where we look back and which ones are real. I think it's I think it's funny that everybody's like, oh no, now now is the time to create a real business. Like you've got to generate <laughs> cash. It's like, ah, you know, I don't know. See a deck and you're like, you were chasing revenue. Now you have to generate cash. It's like yeah. it used to be that the whole purpose of a business was to generate cash, but for a while there it was just to generate shares. Yeah, but they, I guess the point was that. They're saying that there's only one winner in some of these verticals. So you get there and you win and then you charge whatever you want. I guess, I don't know. I guess they're pointing to Amazon as the, as an example of that. You can, yeah. You mean, you mean that one in, you know, 500,000 business? But would you say that that was Amazon? Like Amazon, I, th- I sort of thought that the reason that it was run the way that it was run was that, you know, uh, Bezos knows what he's doing. He's trying to run it as a high growth business, whereas he wasn't necessarily ever trying to dominate the entire niche. I mean, obviously, obviously he was, but that wasn't the whole, the whole strategy wasn't predicated on being the biggest or the first, was it? My- well, I think with Bezos, I don't think you ever had to tell him generate cash, right? From day one, the cash flow statement was up front. Like that dude understood working yeah. capital usage. He understood cash. Now, his, his method of attack was maybe new and something that people haven't seen before, but he was not one of these like burn a ton of cash and issue a ton of shares and call that cash flow. I think it's been funny how quickly those, uh, you know, so fast, which was run by a guy from Brisbane, which is where I'm from in Australia, that fell over. They raised $100 million and then they collapsed a year later. And that was one of that one-click checkout things. And then there's the other one, Bolt, the guy who's in... He's another unusual dude, like multi-billionaire on paper um, and made everybody took out these, made all the employees take out recourse loans to take their, to take their uh, options up. And now they're all underwater and, and getting <sighs> waxed. And so that was- Did a very- that to employees? Well, at the time- I don't think made like them. I think I'll let them if they didn't wanted them. to. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. didn't make them. So I shouldn't say made them, but yeah. made it available to them. Which they then used, and now they're underwater on them. I, I think that that's the case. I, I don't, don't want to say it too too cavalierly, but I think I understand that that's the case. So I just like I understood that that whole one click 
kind of idea. Lots of bigger enterprises have tried it and just given up because they can't make any money out. So I don't know what all these, maybe these other guys were going to solve that problem, but it doesn't seem so. Well, I think you end up, you know, you rebase the people you want to keep. You let the rest that didn't get rebased figure out that you don't want them, make them leave. Be kind of interesting to see where people put well, their options. That. That's yeah. Good for, that's good for culture. <laughs> yeah. Well, stock market crashes aren't, <laughs> I don't think. So, uh, yeah, I, it's going to be, I'm very excited. It's going to be an interesting three years. Can't wait to see the proxy statements that come out. It's yeah. all going to be very interesting. I don't think it's going to take three years. I think this is all going to be over pretty quickly. I think we're going to go into a, uh, I think it gets, I think if it gets nasty, it gets nasty soon and, and, and fast, but if it doesn't, then we just back through to muddle through. Yeah. Well, rates down, stocks go up. All this is a moot point. <sighs> How many zombie companies are there to kind of take out of call out of the herd here? I think a fair amount, but I actually think this is the time that we're going to do it, which will be Finally. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be good. There were a few, I sort of mentioned in the, um, I sort of mentioned in the comments before, but Evergrande seemed to be a thing and then that's just no longer an issue or it's not in the news anymore. Hmm. Uh, China problem. We've got our own problems to focus on now here. <laughs> well and truly. I don't know. I, think, I, th I still think we're, uh, well, there's, a, there's still that big sugar rush coming through the system. It's still, it's hard when you're looking at when you're looking at companies right now. Like there are things out there that look cheap that they're either beneficiary of COVID or they're just a beneficiary of all the stimulus that got paid through. And so it's hard to take that out of the financial statements because I don't know. I don't know whether these are permanent winners or whether they're yeah. How do you normalize or comp anything right now? It's very hard. Really hard. Yeah, it is. Just going to make mistakes. I think is the answer. Which all of which would say that if it's that hard to normalize and comp that you should probably should demand a little bit margin of safety in the price that you pay, right? Yeah. And yet, eh, maybe hasn't quite moved as much as you could argue it should relative the, to how hard it is. To play yeah. devil's advocate, though, like I think the argument that, and we've talked about it before, um, but the, the, big, the big tech companies probably... Uh, I guess that there's also an advertising component to them, but they, they don't look to me to be egregious. I mean, you could, I think you could just about buy half of them. I mean, I think you could buy face, Facebook. I think you could buy Google. I think you could buy Netflix. I don't know about Microsoft. I haven't looked at it, but Amazon's probably getting there as well. They're probably all getting close and that's a big, big chunk of the market. Somebody's screaming. Netflix is a big media company, not a tech company. Toby, didn't you get the memo? I mean, that is I'm, a, that's a, I'm letting you know that we hear you. That's a fair, that's actually, I think that's a, that's a true, that's a fair enough point to make that all of those companies, like they're all thrown under tech at the moment and they really, they're, they're vast. They're sort of companies. all media. Well, Google, Facebook and well, Microsoft's uh, Netflix, not. All Microsoft's, have a, yeah. They got gaming. It's what not nothing Microsoft in that leveraged to they? That's true. What's, what's, what's Microsoft really leveraged to? Is, is it the business? I mean, are people going to get rid of their Excel licenses when? No, I, I think, uh, I mean, Microsoft is arguably my favorite business, mostly because I, I think they're just, <laughs> well, no, well, that too. But I mean, I just like the, I mean, how many enterprises can you really tear Microsoft out of? I, I think, I think they're pretty ingrained in a lot of people's workflows. Very short. Microsoft Apple. is really good at selling to corporate America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And that's yeah. not that's not to be underestimated. I'll tell you what's a monster in Microsoft is LinkedIn. Yeah. Why? I have no idea. But it is a beast. <laughs> Don't make no sense. Barry is short Apple. Who is? Mike Barry. Oh. Got to be an easier short out there than Apple. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be. I don't know if that's the one I'd be shorting. I mean, I, I'd like, fine. I get it. It's smart. Fine. To, to hedge like, the rest of your book? Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like there's got, I mean. Got to be cheaper and easier to just like I think short the S&P 500. Yeah. To try yeah, to, yeah. Right. Or like something. I mean. What if he's really know. long Berkshire and then that's a little like stuff. Just hedging thing. out the Apple. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, that might make some sense. That would make a little bit of Apple. sense to me. I could dig that, but just like straight up saying this is the company to short seems like uh, that one's tough for me. Yeah. When I look at the big, when I look at the big tech names or the big names in the index, then that's that's the one thing that sort of makes me go, uh, makes oh, me think no. that the yeah, yeah. Oh, almost gave it away. Peek behind the curtain. <laughs> almost the telescope. Makes me, yeah, the telescope's still back there. Makes me think that. Um, you know, maybe the index isn't that expensive. I don't know. It's just when I look at the, like every other long run indicator of the index says the index is really expensive until I drill down into those top five or six or 10 names, then I don't think it's too bad. But then the problem this with is doing- the, This is the story of history though. It's like, it's always been businesses that were working really well. That's that true. were indomitable, that were- To be fair though, like there has been like Exxon, Exxon stretched at the top, whereas these are- better businesses than Exxon. Yeah, I mean, I my bias is to say the index does fine. I, I think it's the the internals that of the NASDAQ that could cause some, does some havoc. Does that mean it's a stock picker's market? <laughs> I don't know. I, I've been saying it forever, and the index has been kicking my ass. So uh, it's probably just an indexer's market is probably the answer. <laughs> it oh, wins man. again. <laughs> But I, you know, I don't know. It's probably an ETF out there that people could find that's better than the index. I have no idea where they would find such a thing. I, you know, I think that I think that those things exist. I just don't know that it's been that it's mattered that much. Like, I, the Mike Green flows thing seems to have been. I mean, I, I, I don't personally agree with Mike's Mike's thesis, but I do think that it is explaining what is occurring. I know that doesn't make any sense, but I do think it's going to be right until it's until everybody decides no longer to flood the spy, to smash the bit on the spy. Flows before bros. <laughs> flows before bros, yeah. Well, his thesis gets interesting when people stop flooding the spy. That's when you want to have cash. Mm. If you believe that stocks are actually fractional ownerships and businesses. But but even while that that's ongoing, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, obviously it's all just a rates trade. I get that, but while there's a flow, while the flows are to the to the uh, to the index, it's still things that are making lots of money that aren't in the index. Like you don't have to be buying them because the stock price goes up. You can buy them for the underlying business qualities that they have. That's still mm. allowed. That is an interesting concept. <laughs> One that we a, should double click in next week. <laughs> we should get into that. Hey, we made it, fellas. Whew. Drop Sl something, Phil. Sliding over the line. Oh, wait. <laughs> nope. Nope. I don't know what we're looking for. There we go. Hey, there it is. We got some work to do on our uh, soundboard. Yeah, my bad. 
<laughs> we did it. Thanks, amigos. We'll see you next week.